In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. And this week, we're talking to a cool writer and the returning guest, Samantha Schifrin, about Grease 2. So, Sam, is Grease 2 a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? We're going to see if it should be, Sam. We're going to see if it should be. So, your response is that it needs to be taken out into the middle of the woods, shot, and then buried where no one can find it? It's been about 15 years since I watched it last, when I watched it this most recent time, and uh, I don't think, that might be a bit drastic, but uh, (laughs) I think it could do with a very self-aware remake, where it gets to, yeah, we'll we'll get into that Good, because self-aware is what I went with, so (laughs) let's get into it. So when was the first time you saw Grease 2? When I was a young, young child. Oh yeah? Uh, I mean, it probably... Probably, like, early teens, when we wanted to watch all of the rom-coms, and we had done Grease, and we're like, oh, hey, there's a movie called Grease 2, and Blockbuster was still a thing, so. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the first time I saw this movie, because I know I definitely saw it as a kid. I think I saw it that one time, and then never again. Not for any particular reason. I don't remember liking or disliking it as a kid. I was like, oh, we saw that, and now we're, we saw it. So when I was rewatching it with you and friend of the show, Diane Bloom, it was interesting to kind of see the, like, w- what it was and what it had been. Because I think we all kind of agreed that now that we all live in Los Angeles and are fancy Hollywood types, that's right, just wipe that dirt off your shoulder? I did a fancy thing. Yeah, you did a fancy thing. <laughs> and it was not shot well. No, it was not. It was not shot well at all. And I think that was your biggest gripe with the movie, right? I mean, I d- it was definitely something that I didn't notice when I was watching when I was younger. We thought the songs were funny and that it was uh, it was hilarious to sing along with them and dance along to them when we were like in our friends' rooms as teenagers. And now when I watch it, all I can see is that the coverage is so bad <laughs> and everyone's cut off in places. It's like... I'm not going to say I ruined the movie for myself, but uh, I think it had to be done. Yeah, I I think it's important to go back to these movies sometimes. I mean, that's what I did with episode 50 and Space Jam and everything. Like, I think it's important to do that. Welcome to the Space Jam. Come on and slam. Uh, So so it was really just like that viewing when you were a kid. Because it sounds like you watched it over and over again if you knew the songs. Yes, and I found that I still know the songs despite having really not seen the movie in... Quite over a decade. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's a musical you saw as a kid. Those things are permanent. Yes, that's true. What are what are some other musicals you saw as kids where it's like, th- despite how hard you try, all that information is stuck in here forever? Uh, well, the previous podcast that I did with you, Empire Records, is definitely one of those. Oh, yeah. You can always break out in Sugar High. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think if there's, like, things that are specific. I mean, there's definitely songs, like... Drive Me Crazy came on, and I haven't seen that movie in probably almost 20-ish years or whenever it came out, and uh, that's, like, all of those songs are still in my head. <laughs> so uh, this definitely sticks in with that lexicon. So when I was a kid, I, I, have, I have a younger sister, and we watched a lot of movies for her, we watched some movies for me, and I know that we watched Thumbelina, Swan Princess, and while I don't specifically remember really any of those movies, I do remember that based on Thumbelina, there was a very long time where any time in my household someone said the sentence even close to, so what should I do? The automatic response was, marry the mole. It's a really deep reference. It is. And it's just, these. you see these kids, they just stick with you. They just stick with you forever. Mm-hmm. So, we, but we've been talking about doing Grease 2 since Empire Records. Like, it might have even, I haven't re-listened to Empire Records, but we may have even mentioned it during the episode. Do you happen to remember why? Because it reminded me after re-watching Empire Records that sometimes you remember things differently as a child, and maybe as an adult you should go back and watch to see 
how you remember it and how it stacks up. I think that's a, a good thing to do. I think I always think it's a good idea to go back and like reappraise the things that you like and kind of rediscover why you may or may not still like them. Yeah. There's certain things. I mean, I don't necessarily need to go back and recollect Beanie Babies to understand why that may have been a foolish passion of mine at the time. I still have some at my home in New Jersey to remind me exactly of that. Oh, yes. I, too, have bags of them in my parents' garage, and none of us know what to do with them. Mine are still displayed, and we really don't know what to do with them, so if anybody listening to this has a, 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 wants some Beanie Babies, a check home, us out. A home for wayward Beanie Babies? Yes, yes, if that exists <laughs> out there. If we were recording this in my apartment, I'd be able to say, and here are the four that I went through the bags and picked out. I was like, these four, because I brought them back and I have them up on my wall. Oh, I've seen them. I know. It's great. I think it's hilarious. I mentioned it in the Grease episode because we'd been talking about doing Grease too. And then when Brad Biedemann said, I'd really like to talk about Grease, I was like, well, now the time has come. This needs to happen. So we're doing it. We're talking about Grease 2. Naturally, after Grease would come Grease 2, thankfully, there was no Grease 3 to my knowledge. I'm saying to my knowledge because ah, okay. I'm, it's like a you know a trauma that if you remember it you just don't want to total total grease p grease TSD sure that works PT grease D two yep square so then neither of us particularly enjoyed this movie but I think we enjoyed hanging out with each other and watching it because I think it definitely fits the joys of a how did this get made good bad movie night. Like I'm a it, guilty pleasure that can stick with you. Absolutely. It's it's definitely not something that like sucks all the joy and life out of a room just because it certainly seemed like everyone who was making this movie was having a nice time and that's palpable and you still get that joy even if the filmography and the script and a lot of it's bad. But it's still fun to watch with friends. If, anyone's, if anyone's listening, I wouldn't recommend watching it on your own. But with friends, sure. Yeah, with people that you can uh, enjoy and react and uh, laugh at it with. Mm-hmm. So then my question is, is for the purposes of a remake, what are the important pieces of Grease 2 that you think we need to hold on to? What is like the core essence of Grease 2 that defines Grease 2? Hmm. I would say basically the fact that you have the outsider from a English country or from England even though Sandy was from Australia yeah they mentioned that it's Sandy's cousin from England but she's from Australia I don't know if they were trying to broaden the base there or if they just got lazy look I think we can all agree that both Sandy and Michael, Michael are uh, posh AF and preppy AF AF so anyway, so I think you have that outsider coming in and you have that kind of, you have like the leader of the girl group that's independent and you have the other people amongst them and the guys she left behind and all of that stuff. And you have all these people coming together at a school where they sing. Yeah, because I, I agree with that. The One of the things we talked about when we were doing Grease is that if you take kind of the, the high school musical rules for what a high school is, which is the broad student body but broken down into the various cliques, that doesn't really exist anymore. And we talked about when we were doing our Grease remake that that kind of makes the greasers and the pink ladies outcast because they've kind of self-isolated. So while they think they're very cool, I describe them as bridge kids, which were at my high school, the kids that just went and hung out under the bridge and didn't communicate with the rest of the student body. And we're like, yeah, those are the bridge kids. Everyone else want to go get food? They're the bridge kids. The bridge kids. And that certainly felt like like Grease 2 doubled down on that. Like, it's the it's these people who are just like, we only associate with each other, and that's it. We don't, we don't talk to anyone outside of this group. We don't date outside of this group. We are, I guess, no longer the Greasers, the T-Birds, and still the Pink Ladies. Weren't they the T-Birds before? Were they? Yeah. They were always the T-Birds. Like the Thunderbirds or something like Yes. It, were they the Thunderbirds in the original Grease? Or T-Birds or something. I thought so, yeah. So that was always the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies. I don't remember that. Like, I don't remember picking up on the fact that they were the T-Birds or the Thunderbirds in I don't, Thunderbirds, in I think I'm making that up. Whatever. The yeah. T-Birds in grease at all i mean that's fair I, I just don't remember anyway but moving on to actual things related back to the movie of grease too 
Well, yeah. Okay, so it's the self-isolating people. What other pieces of Greece, too, do you think are important to hold on to? I mean, for me, it's really... I took the main characters, made the casting a bit more self-aware, and was just going to make it a bit more fun. Mm -hmm. So I think I held on to the basic tenets of the story, or the setup, let's say, not the story. And uh, and they all sing. That is... They might in mine. In my casting, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> I will say, I, I'm assume I'm making some assumptions with my casting. Ah, uh, so the other part of Greece too that I think is important is it's a little bit of a corporate cash grab in the attempt to capitalize on the success of the original Greece. So in that vein, for the purposes of this podcast, I'm treating this podcast episode as a sequel to the Greece podcast episode, in that it is direct to DVD. No. Did Grease 2 play in theaters? I believe it did. Oh, interesting. I mean, I guess that makes sense. They did think it was a bona... I think everyone going into it was like, this is going to be as big as Grease. But, so, with that in mind, uh, I told you ahead of time some of the things from our Grease episode that I wanted to kind of carry over to this episode. So, our the Grease episode, which if you haven't listened to, tune in to episode whatever it was a couple weeks ago of Ideal Remake. We set Greece in 2000 because the whole idea of the original Greece is that they made it in the 70s and it was about 20 years, 18, 19 years ago in the 50s. Yeah, 50s, 50s. It's nostalgia culture. Wasn't it fun back when we were kids? Well, 18, 19 years ago now is 2000. Wasn't it fun before we realized that the world was going to explode in a ball of fire? So yeah, that's when we set Greece. And we made uh, the Greasers skaters and... Just kind of like leaned into the popular culture at the time, because that's obviously what Greece is. They're leaning into the popular culture of the 50s. A couple years later, the world has changed in 2003. So I said, let's have the world have changed in 2003. It's, uh, it's darker out there now. Things are different. Things aren't as fun. We have to take our shoes off at the airport. Sometimes your socks, but hopefully not. Oh man, if there's this airport that makes you take off your socks, they're monsters. They are, Sam. They are. What what sorts of things... How would you start with remaking a 2003 Grease 2? Is it going to be on a motorcycle? That's a, the motorcycle doesn't happen until halfway through the movie. Yeah, you don't know anything about the motorcycles until... I'm trying to think. Because you, you see the pink lady's car. Which, you which is a pink Cadillac. Yep, but you don't see... Hmm. And by the way, I think it could be in 2003 a, like... Pink Mini Cooper or oh PT Chrysler that, that oh the the PT Cruiser yeah the Chrysler PT Cruiser that one that looked like a hearse oh yeah that was, was totally super be, popular when I was in high school it, yeah the hearse one yeah totally it would be like pink and black oh amazing love um, it so you have that and I mean my joke is I really wanted to put them on hoverboards um but also, I think that's a little early but I think that's what about, a good wait, bit. wait ready Razor scooters oh sold Razor scooters. Just the, the flyest tricks. Yeah. And I will say, part of my tone is a bit more Pitch Perfect, Pitch Perfect 2, Pitch Perfect 3. That's, That's good. Well, yeah. Because I, I also talked that, about that in the original Grease, is that Grease has never been strictly remade. We're remaking Grease. But I do think it has been soft rebooted. Because I do think Pitch Perfect is basically a remake of Grease. It's the... Two different people that are in kind of like different groups, but it's a, it's a, in their, their case, college, but high school drama. It's about young people and the, oh, the, one of them, one of them changes to be with the other one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, songs happen along the way and it's basically a sing along. Yep. I mean, Pitch Perfect is basically Grease, but it's a modern interpretation of Grease. True. So, and then it has two sequels, which get progressively worse. Although Grease 2, or Pitch Perfect 2 was fun. Oh, you'll see. I pulled from certain things. Yeah, I intentionally didn't cast anyone from those movies. I just have one, actually. That's what I did in Grease, so you're in good shape. Okay, so if we put them on Razor scooters, and, like, the self that totally works for me. Razors, because we went from skateboards to Razor scooters. I love it. Maybe they're, like, jacked out. Jack it up like fancy razor scooters. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Maybe they're like the electric razor scooters. Do they make those? Did they have those yet? I don't know. But I can't put them on razor scooters. 
It's too mean. No, I like Razor Scooters. The last one, they were skaters. So it's the natural progression from skaters. There were still people in the skate parks doing the the Razor Scooters up and down the uh, half pipe. Sure, that was a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. Cool. So, <laughs> so all right. So that's kind of like what they do in their free time. Do we want to replace bowling or leave bowling the way it is? No, I'm leaving bowling the way it is because it's, it's a it's a it's a constant. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember definitely like going to parties that were with like neon bowling. So I think it's definitely Ooh. like glow in the dark bowling. I think cosmic bowling is the way to be. Absolutely. Like. It's normal bowling, but then the cool kids show up and they're like, all right, let's make this thing cosmic. And then one of them snaps and like okay. the light, the lights go out, uh, it, it, black the lights turn drop. on. Oh my God. If you, there's, the, cause the thing about Grease and Grease too is that these are some very horny movies. Yes. And you realize what will happen if you do cosmic bowling and you turn on black lights. Yes. And there are two, if not five, of the jokes for this movie just written right for you. Yes. You're welcome, Hollywood. You're welcome, 12-year-old boys. Yeah. Those two. Yeah, I mean, that's the joke. It's like, oh, look what we can see now. What is that, Mom? Oh, it's just part of the bowling grease. (laughs) Part of the bowling grease. Grease, too! There you go. You don't know what's grease and what's something else. Okay. You can't. It's it's just what shows up in the blacklight. There's a whole song about it. Honestly, yeah. There's a whole song about what shows up under the blacklight. Oh, I, by the way, I went into casting the teachers. It's, I, I oh, I did not. I have a long cast, but I oh. didn't do the teachers. The, I pulled over a couple people from the from that recurred in Greece too that were in uh, the original Greece, like my Frenchie, my crater face, my principal, and the uh, the assistant, and then. Eugene. Oh, we'll see, because I went completely in ridiculous directions with those people. I love it. I have some great cameos. Can we talk about Craterface? Because Craterface, it, like, in retrospect, watching this is really sad. I actually went so far with my Craterface the... that it's hilarious. But I've just just in terms of like the character uh, himself, because like, even in the first one, he graduated high school and was still antagonizing these high school students. Yes. And then at the end, really, the entire school, like... He's not associated with, like, a rival school or anything. No. He's, he's just this random dude who shows up and, and messes things up for high schoolers. And maybe is it implied that he graduated from Rydell or did he go someplace else? We don't, we know. don't know. We don't know if he graduated at all. No. All we know is that just, like, but he, he shows up and wrecks stuff and no one calls the police. No, ever. Except for the time when they conveniently need to get rid of characters. Yeah, that when they conveniently show up so that uh, Michael help. can can jump. jump the oh man, can you imagine jumping the police car <laughs> in a razor scooter? Yes, because that's the tone of the movie. That's great. We're gonna do that. But like Craterface, like because we all knew some of those people who like graduated, but then like kept hanging around the high school. It's like that, but worse and sadder. Oh, I yes. feel bad for Craterface. Wait till you see who I cast for Craterface. I mean, we still have a crater face from uh, from the first episode. I will say I stayed intentionally mostly blind, based, except for what you've told me. Okay. All right. That's fine. So one of the interesting dynamics of Grease 2, as opposed to the original Grease, is that we do actually get to see some classrooms. True. We do. And teachers. And teachers. Did you like that or not like that? It was weird the way they did it, but I... Took it, turned it on its head, and made it really fun. All right. I mean, without necessarily getting into the specific casting, what do you mean? Uh, Let's say I use some of today's social norms that they look at in the 60s and put their spin on, and I put the 2000, early 2000s spin on. Like, what would have been very interesting back then. Got it. All right. The... Because one, one of the interesting things is that they had this teacher that all the boys have a crush on. And one of the aspects of Grease 2 that's consistent from the original Grease is that everyone who's been cast in this is very old. Not high school age at all. Oh, no. No, no, no. And so in order to make people look like adults, they have to cast older people. And so it sure seemed like all these high school students had a crush on what sure felt like their mother and or grandmother. Yes. But uh, I took that and made that teacher straight up eye candy for so many people at the school. Okay. I just thought it was a, a weird quirk. And I potentially was going to 
eliminate the classrooms entirely because certainly for Greece, it's not really about what they're learning because it's more about like these interpersonal relationships of this is what, this is about school life between the classes and after school. It's not really about sitting in class and learning about quote unquote reproduction. Reproduction. I don't want to say a line that comes after that in any verse. (laughs) (laughs) I went through a few in my head and I'm like, no, I don't want to have myself recorded saying any of those things. That's fair. That's fair. I'll give it to you. And yet here we are. So then, but like, what else is important? Like what, because you loved this movie when you were a kid. What are the parts of this movie from when you were a kid that you think you need to keep? I mean, it was just the songs. I think they were, they still are kind of so damn catchy. Like, Cool Rider is still stuck in my head. Or, like, it's just so ridiculous. So I think, I honestly think my version keeps most of the fun stuff and just kind of takes it and, like, laughs at it a bit more. Makes it more self-effacing. Okay. Do you, okay, so then, because this would be released now, and this might be a straight-to-DVD, might be whatever, where would you put this movie? Would you have it be on TV, in the movie theaters? Oh, mine's a movie theater. Okay. Or maybe it's a movie theater, or the way everything's going today, maybe it's the sequel to Grease on HBO Max, whatever they're doing, Rydale High. My suggestion was going to be a, like, so since, well, there have been a couple Grease news bits since we recorded the first episode, which I'll get to in a minute, but like, I was kind of thinking they do one of those, the, the live episodes, the live performances. They could absolutely do that with my cast, I think. Yeah, because I think that's that would be fun. It's just yes. all goofing around, like, getting to, to witness the joy live. Yep. And, and that way you can really lean into the bad camera angles and the lack of coverage because it's happening now. We don't get to have multiple cameras necessarily. If, if something gets messed up, you see it and that's it. You just get a wide shot and hope for the best. Exactly. Like, that's what I think... This movie could have benefited from immensely in the original. Yeah, like if you if you really want to stick to the to the way we enjoyed uh, Greece too, it's kind of delighting in the well. They missed that. That's fine. Let's keep moving. And I it feel like it might lend itself to a live show. I mean, both Greece and Greece Two. Well, Greece is originally based on the musical, and Greece Two was trying to not base off a musical, do the movie, and then try to inspire a musical afterwards. I have absolutely no idea. I did not know it, there was a musical afterwards. I don't think there was. I'm oh, saying that's what it, it felt like. Because Grease 2, in comparison to Grease, felt way over-choreographed. Like, Grease doesn't have, like, a big mass dance number for a little bit. Yeah. And that's how Grease 2 opens. Oh, yeah. It opens with the entire student body in step dancing into school because it's the first day of school or something. Except for the new kid and the bus that he was on. And the bus that he rode it on. Yes, the bus that he rode it on from England. I mean, this was directed by a choreographer. Would you keep that? I did. Well, I did stuff like that. You did or did not? I, my... I went more comedy. Oh, interesting. Choreography. That's my writer. My writer's comedy. My director is uh, music videos. Hmm, interesting. I, I, I could go both ways, but uh, but I think I would lean more into comedy. Away from the song and, well, the choreograph the court away from the choreographer i think that i agree with that i think that the self-effacingness is important but i also think like the things that you remember from greece too are not the jokes the jokes were bad the things you remember is the music true and so i think we need to make sure that the music is important and shows up you are correct i agree with you so that said again this is a movie from your childhood uh, watching it now what are the things that definitely need to change uh, there needs to be some tonal changes in the casting, I would say. Some gender swapping. Fair. And I would just say casting that would establish different interpersonal relationships amongst the uh, groups of kids. I'll agree with that as well. The The interesting thing for me is I think there's a lot of bits because this movie felt longer than it was this movie's less than two hours but it certainly felt longer than two hours oh yes when we realized there were still 40 minutes left then that's never a good sign nope and i honestly think this movie probably can be shorter mm-hmm. and i think you can certainly cut out the things where like uh who's his face uh was it davy or goose that takes 
Sharon down to the bunker because uh, bombs Demucci. are dropping. Demucci. Demucci did that? Yeah. All right. When Demucci takes her down, like, that's bad. Just cut that. Yeah, you don't need it now. I also... I mean, there was... 2003 was another war time, it, but yeah. It, it very much was. It's something to be aware of, but our opinions of it were different. Yep. We were just talking about it on AIM. There, I don't think people really hung out in uh, bunkers. So it's... <laughs> So uh, our remake will be Grease 2 Grease, G2G. An AIM story. An AIM story. <laughs> and then the sequel will be BRB. Yes. G2G, BRB. KK. I got nothing. I was trying to, I was trying to come up with a movie title that involved Grease, but it was just like the G above the R. <laughs> and then uh, you turned it to Breaking Bad, which was much later. Yes. But the other thing is that, so... It's kind of about this sort of romance between uh, Michael and Stephanie, but the ending is, like, Stephanie's already decided that she really likes this guy, but the ending is, all right, we accept you. You can be a T-bird. That way she's allowed to date you, which is not okay. And I feel like the moral should be, you're a human being. Date whoever the hell you want. Yeah, yes. Okay, cool. I think the moral can change quite a bit from the original, yes. Yeah. Also, the whole... did he die thing and then they kind of get over it very quickly that was something that diane pointed out while we were watching it was like did he die which they don't see a body so obviously he didn't because he can jump a hundred feet or whatever in his motorcycle or something because he's magic i'll actually i'm going to come back to that but diane pointed out they know he didn't die or they know that michael didn't die because who else would be playing piano during the that the show at the end of the year Yes, or they just completely ignored that fact in continuity altogether. Well, it's not like any of them knew that the masked writer was Michael. So why would so if Michael didn't show up, they'd be wondering where he was. So maybe he was just there, and they just weren't paying attention. I to think him. we are giving them all way too much credit. You think? <laughs> I do. All right. I just think no one paid attention. So here's my pitch. I my pitch is that he can fly in a motorcycle. I'm okay with that. Because it's a he's... Razor scooter, yeah. well, well, yes, on, on a Razor scooter. And the reason why is because he's related to Sandy. And we all know the end of Greece, at the end of Greece, Sandy and uh, John Travolta fly off in a car. Danny. Danny. Danny, Danny whatever. Danny. I don't... Names are hard. And so if it's, if it's just a familial power that both Sandy and Michael are able to make the vehicles they're in fly, there you go. Problem solved. Thus us crossing over with Space Jam. Are we? I don't know. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with mag- people with magical powers. You Sure. But, I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. They're related. It's in the family line. Absolutely. They're witches. And warlocks. Well, witches make brooms fly. So Sandy's broom is whatever the, is uh, greased lightning. And Michael's broom is a razor scooter. Yes, a razor scooter. That's the only way it makes sense. Yeah. Everyone watches them fly off at the end of Greece and they're waving yep. as they fly off into the sky. I think you just cracked one of movie movie history's most talked about moments and rationalized it. I think so. Yeah. I think that I think it's the only thing that could possibly make sense. Yes, you're correct. So everyone who is from a uh, British country can fly. Yes, doesn't that also make A Commonwealth country. So so in Greece 3 you have a Canadian coming in. Well, Grease 3 will take place in Canada, and it's just everyone flying, and the American just being on the ground going, that seems nice. (laughs) Oh, okay. And that's like 2005. They had no idea what they were in for. Yes. Also, how did Frenchie become the chemistry teacher? She was a chemistry teacher? I thought she was still a student. No. Frenchie was the teacher. That's why they were in the lab. I thought she was, no, I thought she was doing work for class. Was she? Yes. Oh, because she She dropped out because of beauty school. There was a song about it, Sam. She was a beauty school dropout. And so so, she had to come back to school to show that she was not a fool. So in my head, this takes place several, like four, like five to ten years after Greece. But I guess it's only a couple years after Greece. Yeah, because if you look at the teachers and the principal, they hadn't aged much. I mean, it's filmed four years later. That poor principal. Like, that principal had to make that same face into camera half a dozen times. She was a professional. And they kept doing this joke about how she couldn't remember stuff and was losing things wrong. Like, oh, we get it. She's older. But they kept making, like, well, she's losing her mind. Oh, the assistant. Both of them. Oh, okay. 
Like well, the principal you know, kept was, forgetting things, not remembering names. It was the early '80s. Women be cray. That was <laughs> that part of the movie. <laughs> Basically, uh, what I'm saying is that there was a respect of women that we would show in our remake that was possibly not shown in the storyline. Looking back, no, probably not. So then, let's just get into like basic story. This dude yeah. shows up from parts unknown. Yep. England, maybe I've never heard of it. We, we'll move on, and. He's immediately fascinated with this attractive woman, and that's it. That's the story. He tries she's to an, win her no, over. No, she is a free and independent woman. To that's be fair, that I is think. very attractive. That's what I'm saying, is you give... I'm saying you lean into it, and you actually... But you have fun with it. But the tone is that, like... Of course, like, she's, like, the... She's the badass one. Like, she doesn't want to be tied down by one of the... Four or five guys that are achievers. Who are all monsters. Yes, they like, are. The, the, the Greasers were like jerks in Greece, but the T-Birds in this one are just horrific. First of all, they're huge nerds. They have matching jackets, matching bowling shirts. With balls on them. With balls on the back. and But then they also just like terrorize people to the point where... The only reason that Craterface is as awful as he is is just to make them look slightly less bad. These T-Birds are the worst. They are. They're not. It's not like fun stuff. It's like malicious, destructive things. I am changing that in this remake. Okay, to what? To not destructive things. They're actually more pranky. I will leave it up to our creative team. I feel we're, that I have we're the creative team. No, I feel that I have assembled a creative team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, well, what, yes, but like, so my pitch is it's less outwardly destructive, more inwardly destructive. Okay. So especially if they're going to be on razor scooters, I think of them more in lines with like Jackass. Oh yeah. Especially because that's the right era for it. Of they're doing things that put them in danger, but not necessarily hurt other people around them. I could see a shopping cart being involved in quite a bit of their stuff. Absolutely. And I think that that, and honestly, that would just give us the tone for the entire rest of the movie. It's them going around trying to, like, be idiots. I figured out their sidecar. Okay, what's their sidecar? Their sidecar is a reverse situation where they have a guy in, like, a shopping cart or something that has to somehow pull every, like, he has to pull the guys on their scooter. He's like their horse and they're in a carriage. You don't think the sidecar is just a rope? That works better. I realized <laughs> I wanted to use a shopping cart, but I think we'll use it for a prank. Yeah, it's, I feel like that's a scene and not a not a recurring prop. You are correct. I agree with that. So we've talked a lot about the T-Birds. Let's talk a little bit about the Pink Ladies. Because mm-hmm. the Pink Ladies are Michelle Pfeiffer, girl who wants to be Michelle Pfeiffer, drama Jackie Onassis girl, and I feel bad about my nose, girl. And the little oh, sister. and then 12-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Who should not be there and has more important things to do. Isn't that right? Do you want to tell us the fun fact about Dolores? Oh, Dolores uh, was played by an actress named Pamela, I believe it was Seagull at the time, or Seagull, and, or no, Seagull. There were other Seagulls in this movie. And she went on and is now Pamela Adlon, who created better things on FX and is incredibly successful and talented. Yeah. Other than Michelle Pfeiffer, I think you were saying that the 12-year-old might be the most successful person post that movie. Yes. Chris McDonald's been working quite consistently, but uh, Pam Adlon created a show, so I'm going to throw her that one. Yeah, good for her. Yes. yes. I mean, I I think we can all agree that it's because of her time in Greece, too, that she was able to leverage that success into, quote-unquote, better things. I mean, comedy is tragedy plus time? So what's the tragedy? Is... Her experiences on Greece too. No, I'm there you go. So, but so that's kind of like our take on uh, those women. So, I mean, I felt bad for them too, but it, at least they were more fleshed out characters than we're all the same guy. Hey, I'm gonna brush my hair. I put grease in my hair. Yeah, I don't know. Just make them actual humans. Yep. For lack of anything See, else. my girls are actually way more badass than my dudes in my Great. Love it. It should be. That's how I also foresee this. I will also say that if you remember a uh, one-season show called BH90210, I would say that, that that's that was a bit of service for the actors 
I would say, you know how people do fan service? I'm aware of the of the term, yes. I would say that was actor service. Ah, interesting. Like, basically, the actors getting to take that experience back for themselves. Good. I think that's a good way of viewing this. Actor service. I like it. So, I kind of took a similar approach to my Grease 2. Good. Okay. It sounds like you kind of just want to talk about casting, so I'm perfectly happy to jump to that. Very much so. Okay. It was, I will say, it was the thing I felt... Most unsure about last time, and this time I have it so clearly okay. that it mostly, you see the movie when you see the cast. Okay. Because I was going to say, I think plot's important, but I'm happy to to just jump right to... Uh, we can keep going through plot. I mean, we kind of know what we're going to be doing. It's the pranker kids, and then the girls who, for some reason, find that level of dumb, moronic confidence attractive. Sure. And then Michelle I mean, Pfeiffer got over it, and they're like, but why? Clearly this is as good as it's ever going to get. But, sure. And then that's and then Michael's like, yeah, but I'm a I'm a person. Oh wait, you're not into people. Let me pretend like learn how to be a a master motorcycle rider in what is it a weekend? Yes, it was a weekend because his clothes barely got dirty in the montage. Oh my god, there were so many montages, so many unnecessary. I think if you do montages. a live event, you could lose montages. Done, sold, easy. All right, let's talk about casting. Woohoo! Do you want to start with Stephanie or do you want to start with Michael? You go first. So what I did was because Grease 2 is kind of like the corporate cash grab follow-up, but I also, if it's going to be actor service, it's a bunch of like people who are well-known to somewhat well-known, getting to have fun doing goofy things and dancing around and singing. So I, unlike most things that I'll do on this show, I actually tried to cast as, as many famous people as I possibly could. So for Michael and Stephanie, I did a, a, a kind of a, a already on on screen couple that has been seen, but kind of flipping the dynamic a little bit in the types of characters that they're playing, and certainly allowing one of them to use their real accent. So my Michael is Tom Holland. Interesting. I uh, I'm similar. I'm similar there. I took Harry Styles. Harry Styles is crater face. Interesting. I did not know he was creator. My creator face is much different than that. <laughs> in the in the Greece, we had Harry Styles as creator face, and uh, one of the Jonas Brothers it was uh, Kaniki. That makes sense. And that's why they hate each other. That's hilarious and works so well. But uh, but I, I enjoy that Tom Holland thing because I think we might have the same Stephanie. I mean, obviously Stephanie Zendaya. I, yes, I had her or I had Haley Seinfeld just because I was watching Dickinson and she's so belovedly badass in it. I mean, but I like that. Haley Steinfeld comes up a lot on the podcast and I'm yes. like, I'm trying to stay away from people that I've used before. And so like the Tom Holland Zendaya thing sort of works. We kind of I'm get so that dynamic already. I'm so with you. We're, we got it. And I have Zendaya written right here. Excellent. And especially because Tom Holland is super preppy and British. Yes. And Zendaya is like, yeah, no, I can do better than all that. And it's so great because I feel like it's somewhere between Mary Jane or MJ and Euphoria. Exactly. That's what we want. It is kind of what we want. Yep. It's a and, little bit of Greatest Showman. Well, yes, a little bit. Just a, uh, just a uh, smidge. And a moose-bouche of Greatest Showman. Uh-huh. Because I, I think that that's important and good. Yes. But like. Yes, I yes. agree. Good. So I then have the other four uh, pink ladies. Okay. Who do you want to start with? Paulette, let's say. Go ahead. Mine is so awesome. There's an actress. I think I went, I don't know if I'm at your level of fame, but uh, Brie Hilde- Hillebrand. Tell me about her. She was the kid in uh, Deadpool. She was like the, the the girl, like the little like badass girl. Uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead? Yes. Got it. Go on. She's awesome and she's super badass because my version of Paulette is not like a, a girl trying to impress a dude, but like the girl that the guy like wants and has to chase. So she's like a tough But that badass that's chick. Michelle Pfeiffer's character. You know what? There doesn't only have to be one badass chick in a movie. There does not have to be only one badass chick in a movie. All right. I'm you not opposed have, to that. You can have two fiercely independent women. In the same group. You're, you're not wrong. I just In terms of like character arcs. Because Paulette's character arc was that she starts as the, I just want you to like me. Please like me. Please like me. And then at the end, it's like, I don't need your approval. I'm going to do what I want. And then she's together with him at the end anyway, because... See, my arc makes more sense in that she's like, you know what? You're good for now. 
I can play around with you, but I know I'm better than you. You, you, uh, What's the term? Your practice. Yes. So my Paulette, again, I went for fame. And the biggest name in under 18 is Chloe Grace Moretz. Also, she's like in her 20s, though. I know. But a lot of my people are in their early 20s. Okay. Uh, because you that know, works. Greece, Greece too, and I literally so everyone and I literally wrote Chloe Grace Moritz, and then I wrote "Kick his ass, Chloe." Ha ha! Because she was in "Kick ass." That too, I realized that as I typed it, but that's not what I meant. Oh, okay, but it's mostly just like, yeah, I'm better than you. Yeah. Why, why? Why am I? Why am I doing this for you? I like. I like that. I like. That. I mean, I'm perfectly happy to go with Brianna uh, Hildebrand. No, but no, no. I would like have her start as the. I would have she her start too, more yeah. and then like lean into like, by the end, it's like, yeah, no, I'm Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Yep, exactly. All right, cool. I love it. Who's our next pink lady? Sharon. Oh, I got, well, okay, this one, this one, I kind of, who's yours? You go first. It is an actress named Olivia Cook. Interesting. Olivia Cook. She has I... big eyes or am I thinking of somebody else? Olivia Cook. The only thing I've seen her in was uh, Ready Player One, mm-hmm. which is not good, and I hate it. But she plays I, the love interest. Yeah, but I don't have anything against her necessarily. Right. Like, I thought she did as good a job as she could have with that material, and I'd love to see her in something where she actually looks like she gets to have fun. Cool. In my version of taking the movie back, I have a young actress named Gideon Adlon. Tell me more about Gideon Adlon. Uh, she is the daughter of Pam Adlon, who was in the original. Uh Uh-huh. And she is, I believe she's going to be in the Craft remake, which is awesome. And, and my, uh, my Sharon's a little bit darker. Oh, yeah? And emo than the original. I'm comfortable with that. it's the early 2000s. And the actor kids, so the actor kids don't want to be Jackie Onassis. No. They want to be Evanescence. Exactly. Good, I like that. It's like, it was a little bit more of a punk rock time. And she was in Blockers, which was hilarious. Yes, she was. And, and I like that range, the craft in Blockers. And you also cast her specifically for nepotism? Yes. I'm not opposed to that in this case. No, I think I think that this movie, you know, if, if we're going to take it back, a little nepotism is deserved in this case. In this case. All right. Because it's fake and we're talking in hypotheticals. Yes. So it's fun. Okay, so then let's talk about Rhonda, which okay. I think was the right name. Who, uh, who, who you got? Rhonda is Tysa Farmiga, who's in uh, American Horror Story. I will say, I have, I'm i trying to think if I've seen her be funny. I don't think we need her to be strictly funny. I, said, I always think that what makes for a really good comedy is you have funny person, funny person, funny person, not at all funny person. Yeah, and was Rhonda, I guess? Yeah, I guess she was kind of the... Hmm. I had Sadie Sink, who is a young redheaded actress uh, from Stranger Things. She might be too young, though, with the rest of the cast that we're assembling. Sadie Sink. How do you spell Sadie? S-A-D-I-E. Yeah, I think she might be a little bit young. She probably would be reasonable for the... And she might be too old for the younger sister. I think she's just in the gap of casting age. Can I throw out a curveball here? All right, tell me about this curveball. Sophia Black D'Elia. She was in the Mick. She played the older sister. It's S-O-F-I-A. And she kind of played the straight man in that family. Meanwhile, I think she's too old. Really? <laughs> she's 27. Oh, she played like, she was playing like last year, like 20. Nope, she was playing like 21 last year. Yeah. Um, let's go for this one. Let's go with uh, Tessa. Uh, Take Tessa, it away. Yeah, sure. Tessa Farmiga. Sure. Which leads... Or Emma Roberts. No, she's the, she's the same age range. Yeah, no. Wait, how old is Tessa? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you were right here. I'm looking it up. Uh, she's 25. Those two years make a big difference. <laughs> uh, I would like the record to reflect that I almost did a spit take there. And uh, it was great. But I held it back because I didn't want to give it away that early in the podcast. <laughs> I had nowhere else to go with that. Uh, that leads me to Dolores, who is the young one. Okay, because I felt that the, we needed a little more... I guess I went way too young with this one, but there's... A younger actress, she plays the younger sister in uh, Stranger Things, Priya Ferguson. She's like 11, though, probably. Though maybe that's hilarious. Priya's very good. The actress I cast for this is uh, Gabrielle Nevae Green. She's in the new All That. Cool. I like that idea. So I went for comedy people. Yes, that's a good idea. I like yours. 
All right, cool. So that's kind of our pink ladies. I think, yeah, I think we got our pink ladies. So then let's talk about our T-Birds. Our uh, cool riders. Our, no. She wants a cool rider. They are not cool riders. They're the wannabe cool riders. Yeah, they're the bridge kids. Oh, bridge kids. They're the stoop kid who's afraid to leave the stoop. Oh, stoop kid. Stoop kid stooping. Also, their names are ridiculous. Um, Yes, they are, and I love it. The first one is Nogarelli. Yep. He was the, he's just. I hate him. Oh, I went... I love my pick for this one. Okay, because I went, again, very famous, very popular at the Same. time. Oh, not at the time, but... Oh, I mean right now. Timothée Chalamet is my pick. Yeah, I like, I looked at him. I'm like, I can't make Timothée Timothy Chal, Timothy Chalamet. Timothée Chalamet. I can't make him do this. I had to because I think... It's what we deserve, Sam. It's what we deserve. Is it? Yes. Okay. More so than, say, Cole Sprouse? Yes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Part of the reason why I wanted to do Cole Sprouse is because for Goose, I cast Dylan Sprouse, and I want to make them so entirely different, but forced to hang out together because they're brothers, and I find that funny. I would argue that my actors could also play brothers that I have cast. I just meant, like, for the actual reality of they're really brothers, but they would not be playing brothers. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. That's a little too weird for me. Too weird for you? Okay, all right. You know what? It's a live show. You got to give people something easy to digest. You're not wrong. Okay. So uh, you might be doing too much depth there. Well, who did you have for Goose? Uh, Colin Ford, young actor who is the lead of a show called Daybreak, which I used to pull a couple actors from. It's like a post-apocalyptic show because there's something about teens and a dystopian future that spoke to me about Grease 2. Well, that works for me. Colin Ford for Goose. Yeah, and the thing... But convince me why Timothy Chalamet can ride a scooter better than Cole Sprouse. Can I tell you, if we're gonna go Riverdale, I'd rather go KJ Apa. Which one does he play? Archie. Oh, that's fair. I have, a, I have a friend who has like a weird crush on Cole Sprouse, and it weirds me out because she's definitely 10 years older than him. And I'm like, Ugh. He'll always be the kid in Big Daddy to me. That, that's the brother. That's Dylan Sprouse. Weren't they both in Big Daddy? I don't care. They were both in... It was one of them played Ben on Friends. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> wow, they've been around for a long time. Yes, they have. I did not know that. Yes, they have. That's... They've been in this business longer than we have. Who are they related to? Or are they just that adorable as children? They were very adorable children. That's messed up. Yeah. Fine. We'll go with Timothy Chalamet. If only because he fits Wait. the mold of being really famous. Sure. Unless you have someone better. I'm not against the KJ Apa of it all. Is it possible if we cast someone named KJ Apa that we can also cast someone named Momo somewhere? Yes. Okay. I just want that. But just for me. You know what? Whatever makes you happy, Sam. Yay. Okay, so we'll go with KJ Apa. Sure, why cool. not? Uh, which brings us to Demucci. Yes. Demucci. Demucci. The girl is hard to get. <laughs> His name makes me think of Shapoopy. And uh, <laughs> now it does. Okay. So you went first to the last one. So I think we need someone who clearly is has been in things and has a passion for music. Okay. And also can really just heartfelt support and, and just emotion. And honestly, is there anything Ansel Elgort can't do? He's Baby Driver. Can he be Nogarelli? Can he be who? Nogarelli? Sure. I'd rather him as Nogarelli. Nogarelli. Okay, who'd you have? All right, that's fine. Who'd you have for Demucci? Uh, I have an actor named Chosen Jacobs. Oh, he's good. Yeah. I think Chosen Jacobs is a good choice. Uh, he's come up on things before, but I always like him. I think he's a, a good actor, and I think that's a clever choice. So then we'll make... Nagarelli, Ansel Elgort, Demucci, Chosen Jacobs, and Goose, Colin Ford. We're good? Yep. All right. That leads me to Davey. Which oh, was, I got a good one. He was the young one, right? Who ended up with a 12-year-old? Yeah, I kind of went young as well with that, though. I mean, I feel like you have to, because that was weird and not okay. Yeah. I also went a little bit young, but go for it. I also went gender swap. I went with a young woman. Okay. I think it's pronounced Olivia Allen Lind. She's also from an acting family, just like the Avons. It's A L Y V I A. Allen. A L Y N. I feel like this is a different Olivia Allen I'm looking up. Possibly. Because this is known for Seventh Heaven, American Dreams, nope. and appears to be an adult. 
No, she is not an adult. A-L-Y-V-I-A. Alyssa Olivia Field from The Kids Are All Right. No. All I'm going to say is that there's some recurring... This is a child. She's a kid, yes. Why is she hanging out with high schoolers? Why is she hanging out with a bunch of high school boys? She could be the little sister of one of them, which I think could be kind of cool. She could actually be Colin Ford's little sister, mirroring their relationship on Daybreak, where they don't... They play kind of enemies slash sibling-like characters. How old is she? She's, like... She's young, but she has an older soul. She plays She plays older. She can play both Dolly Parton young and post-apocalyptic old. Sam, she's 12. Okay, then let's go with something else. <laughs> she has older sisters, too. I wanna- so the, the actor I have is named Abraham Attah. Okay. He's young. I think he's like 16 or 17. He's but from like, like he's what, Beast of the Southern Wild? Beast of No yeah. Nation. Okay. ay ay You know what? I thought I tried something. I, look. Wait, wait, can I tell you something, actually? With my my original, uh, what do you call it, Dolores, it works. They're both, like, 12. Okay. It's actually kind of cute. I kind of made, like, a like a young, like, female love story. I mean, to be fair, the Dolores I have is probably 13 or 14, and Abraham Atta is 18. So it's a little weird, but still. Do you want to look at one of her older sisters? No, I don't. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I don't at all. So the only other people that I have cast are three people that I have, or four people I have kind of holdovers from uh, the original Grease casting that we did. Mm-hmm. And then I threw in Eugene. Oh, yeah. And actually, that's not true. I have a fifth one. So let me throw in this fifth one just as a, an extra thing. Uh, one of the things that we realized as we were talking about Grease, the first, like, the first, like, Grease, the last episode, is that the Sid Caesar character is probably the best person in the entire movie, period. Like, he takes Danny and was like, alright, you want to do sports? Let's find something that you're good at and, and that works for you. And then Eugene is the only one to hit him in the face with the pie, and he's the only one that praises Eugene over the course of the movie. And he's the only one who's like, is willing to believe in absolutely anybody. He's the only legitimately good person in the entire movie. And so we were like, we realized that and we're like, it's a shame we haven't cast him. And I was like, all right, so who is your, uh, what's a, who's a comedy idol that you think would be good as a coach? And, uh, Brad ended up suggesting Maya Rudolph for the Sid Caesar character. I got very close to that. Oh yeah? I have Melissa McCarthy. That's very funny. I, I actually kind of went all out with the teachers. Okay. If we want to go all the way, uh, for Mr. Stewart, who is played by Tab Hunter in the original. Okay. I have Billy Eichner. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Why? Because I think he'd have fun doing it and he'd be freaking great. And and I give him an appropriate love interest in this one, not Miss Mason, who is his love interest in the original. They tried to pair up, they tried to pair the teacher, the substitute teacher, the like, like hot dude with like the... Was he a hot dude? He was supposed to be the hot dude. He was the only eligible, attractive man at that school for her. That's true. But also, like, I totally and, got the sense of, like, him being, like, kind of the nebbish, the nebbishy, like, oh, man. And that's why I have Billy Eichner. All right. So then Mr. Spears, uh, who was the teacher that always kept falling and having issues. That was so weird. I think. Someone get that guy in the hospital. Seriously. So in that instance, I think it'd be funnier to have Bill Hader. In some type of uh, makeup or like prosthetics, so that he's kind of more like Six Flags guy in it. Okay. Are there any teachers you cast whose name isn't Bill? Those are the only Bills. Okay. I'm um, I'm out of Bills. All right, just checking. Uh, so Mr. Mason. Which one was Mr. Mason? Oh, I'm sorry. I took Miss Mason and made it Mr. Mason. Which one was Miss Mason? The teacher with the big hair. Oh, the quote unquote attractive one. Yes. You so you made Miss into Mr. Mason. And I think that it's a great cameo opportunity for Mr. Jason Momoa. I'm cool with that. That works. And then you have Jason, and then you have Billy Eichner lusting after Jason Momoa. Yeah, that totally works for me. So it's kind of great. And I just went straight up ghost. I I essentially unintentionally three-fourth Ghostbusters this thing. I said McGee should be Leslie Jones. McGee? The principal. Oh, okay. Uh, So the principal and the assistant were my one kind of throwback. And it's even more important for me that they, these are the throwback castings now. So for me, the principal was Olivia Newton-John. And then her assistant is Stalker Channing. Okay. And so in the couple of weeks since we recorded the Grease episode, 
One of the bit of news that's come out is that Olivia Newton-John sold her costume, like the leather costume from the end of Greece, to pay for her cancer treatment. And that was really sad. A, because I didn't know she got to keep that costume, and I guess good for her. But also, oh, poor her. And I feel like we can get her the work, right? Yes. Okay. I'm okay with that, then. All right. Then can I make Blanche Leslie Jones? Sure. Thank you. I just really want Leslie Jones and Jason Momoa on the same stage for something. Because I think that could be fun for everyone. I think it's funny if after the first movie, it's Leslie Jones doing the exact same thing as the previous Blanche was doing. Yeah, she'd be playing Stalker Channing, playing this role. Right. So it'd be her with the same little xylophone, whatever. Do, 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 do. Yep. And if it's doing the exact same motions, great. Willing to commit to that. Absolutely. Okay, ready for my Balmudo? Who's Balmudo? Crater Face. Oh, I I just call him Crater Face. Who did you have? Danny Trejo. I mean, it's a little on the nose. (laughs) (laughs) You want Danny Trejo to be the guy who is hanging around a high school. (laughs) That's why it's hilarious. Taunting all the high schoolers. You know, there's a slightly different tone in all of my cast put together than the cast that we're putting together. I will say that. I mean, that's hysterical. That's That was the tone I was going for. I want to keep Danny Trejo, but here's where I want to put him. I think Danny Trejo should be the guy who trains Michael to be cool. I'm good with and that. And badass. Okay, it's Razor Scooter. Yeah, because Danny Trejo's like, if you want to impress this woman, and then this is what you have to do. I don't know what you Drink Dos Equis? Like, what was that? That's a Dos Equis guy. I don't always dr- uh, ride Razor scooters, but when I do. Oh, no. I don't always ride scooters, but when I do, it's a Razor. I don't know. Whatever. Always wear a helmet, my friends. Yep, there you go. And knee pads. <laughs> Who was your Belmudo from before? Harry Styles. I'm good with that. Oh, also very important. My Eugene casting. I also have Eugene casting. Go ahead. Do you also have any D's in I do! Yes. <laughs> that is... Because it's so weird! He's so ageless! He he looks the same, and he's just still in high school! Yes. For some reason! Yep, we don't even need any prosthetics. The dude is just... We're gonna say age It's straight. just this guy who just, for whatever reason, is just... He, he is eternal. An eternal figure at this high school. He found the fountain of youth, and he will not share it with anyone there. No, he will not. Nope. And that's fantastic. I think that's hilarious that we both did that. Yes. The other thing that I do have is I, I recast the sorority girls who, fun fact, were originally played by the Seagal sisters. I think younger sisters of oh, the, Katie the, Seagal. Oh, the two twins yep. that are always jumping around. And they are and now, they are still working uh, very, very well as TV writers. Oh, the, the, um, and I think the two sisters? One's definitely a writer. The other one, I'm, I think she might be a director as well. I'm not sure, but... So, so I took that and made them very... I, I went a completely different direction since we're talking about they might be more emo kids, but like the cooler emo kids. Great. Love it. So I took two of the Heathers actors, uh, Brendan Scannell and Melanie Fields, who are also multi-talented. I believe Brendan actually just sold a pilot that he developed. Melanie Fields and what was the first name? Brendan Scannell. They were two of the Heathers in the uh, remake of the Heather show. Great. Because they're the cool emo kids. Oh, the <clears throat> coolest emo kids. Non-conforming as can be. Hell yeah. So that's oh. all the cast I've got. I had another Frenchie, but I'm going to say, I just want to say it so that it was out there. I had Naomi Scott, who okay. played Jasmine in Aladdin and is one of Charlie's Angels. Oh yeah, I love Naomi Scott. I think Naomi Scott's great. And if anything, I think she's too good for Frenchie. Interesting. I, okay. Because the interesting thing for me about Frenchie is that Frenchie was in this movie and she's in the last movie and she's very sweet but she's she's not great and in this in the in greece too she just kind of randomly shows up places and goes oh michael and it's certainly i i've until you mentioned it during this episode i've always thought she was one of the teachers i really i'm sure you're right i'm not sure though but that's like that's the like impression that i got from her this whole time like oh she's just one of those people who once she went back to high school she never wanted to leave but you never saw her go back. That's the thing. It's weird. I don't She's know. She's also kind of mumbling it to Michael as they walk inside. And, like, it also feels like she was kind of stalking Michael. A little bit. A little bit. She just shows up random places and goes, oh, Michael. And then she's not at the luau at the end. Like, why was she... And she wasn't a graduate... Was she a graduation? Maybe I, in the back. I, I don't know. But she was... 
Also, what he was in the park training, and she was there. Why was she there? What, that we was don't a- know. How did she know to be there? No. It's like she didn't exist. It's like she was just a figment. Did Frenchie, she's the spirit of the school. Did Frenchie really die in the original, and then she's now the ghost haunting this place? Well, it turns out turning your hair pink is fatal. The way she did it. Yeah. She was that bad. She comes back as a witch. Yeah. I'm okay with or that. Or a ghost. Or a ghost. But a friendly ghost. Frenchie is Casper. So while I love that particular actress, no, I'm she's great. I've used her a bunch of times. She's wonderful. Uh, I think in our James Bond episode, we made her the Bond girl because she's capable and amazing. Wasn't she a Bond girl? I think she might be about to be a Bond girl. Oh, okay. Girl. Like, we recorded this in July. Oh, okay. But yeah, so our Frenchie is Kiernan Shipka because that's who we did in the Grease episode. Okay. It's got to be the same person. Unlike Blanche. Which brings us to writer and director. Now, do you have a writer and a director, or do you have a writer-director? I have options for both. Okay, pick your favorite. I mean, I want Pam Adlon to be able to write it. Because it's funny? Because bringing it back to what I was saying about taking it back for ourselves. Also because it's funny, yes. Mm-hmm. I also thought maybe Zoe Lister-Jones, but... I don't know who that is. Uh, she is doing the Craft remake, which became a common theme that I was looking at. Uh, she's an actress as well. She kind of broke through on an, an indie scene. Okay. Um, she's still the theater. To write or direct? She has a theater background. Uh, she could write. She could do both. But now that we're going in the live direction, I, I have a different director I want to use. So the things that I did was I thought, I for the writer and director, I kind of reached out to people who'd done music videos because the thing about Grease 2, the thing that's most memorable about, memorable about it is the songs. Mm-hmm. And in classic musical format, it's really a bunch of scenes stringing together songs and they want the songs to be popular. So Mm -hmm. I went and got a writer who'd done music video stuff, but in my case, a lot of comedy. And then I got a director who is very well known for doing music videos, but also has done TV comedy. Okay. Who you got? My writer is Eric Warheim from Tim and Eric. Oh, those guys. Yeah. So, because one of the things we talked about when we were rewatching the movie is you said you really wanted it to be self-aware. And there are few things as self-aware as Tim and Eric. I also really think it's a different tone. I don't disagree. I think that's weird. I was going for a little bit of weird for the writer. I'm open to, I'm open to having a different writer to it's having... It's weird, but I feel like one should have... One should be a woman. Oh, no. My music... My director's a woman. Okay, then let's... Okay. But, but I'm perfectly happy to go with... Uh, well, let's see who your director with Adlon. is. Adlon. We can go with Adlon or Zoe. But my director is a woman named uh, Melina Matsukas. That's what I thought you were going to say. Really? Yeah. Because she's a well-known music video director. She's done Beyonce uh, music videos, but she also was a writer for... In- or a director for Insecure. And so that way she's able to kind of like do the personal TV tone stylings while also being able to kind of like direct these grand musical numbers. A part of me really wanted to do a co-directing situation between Beth McCarthy Miller and Tommy Kale, Thomas Kale. You keep throwing names out like I'm, I'm going, also in development. <laughs> I'm going to say who they are. I just want to say them together first. Uh, Beth McCarthy Miller does a bunch of SNL and late night and sketch shows and comedy. Thomas Kale did Grease Live. He did Hamilton on Broadway and has a background that way. Oh. So well, we put, clearly should go with those two. Yes. Because that makes sense. Yes. Because Grease Live, my understanding is that Grease Live went very well. I believe so. I didn't watch it. Uh, but that's our cast. I'm going to run through it. Ready? Hit me. Grease to Grease. An AIM story. An AIM story. An AIM story. Michael is going to be played by Tom Holland. Stephanie will be played by Zendaya. Paulette is Brianna Hildebrand. Sharon is Gideon Adelon because nepotism. Rhonda is Tysa Farmiga. Dolores is Gabrielle Nevaeh Green. Nagarelli is going to be Ansel Elgort. Demucci is going to be Chosen Jacobs. Goose is going to be Colin Ford. Davy is going to be Abraham Attah. Frenchie will be reprising her role, at, and it's Kiernan Shipka. Craterface, also reprising the role, will be Harry Styles. Dolores, the principal, is going to be Olivia Newton-John with Blanche, this time played by Leslie Jones, doing an impression of Stalker Channing. Eugene will be Eddie Deason. The coach is going to be Maya Rudolph. Mr. Stewart is going to be Billy Eichner. Mr. Spears is Bill Hader. Miss Mason becomes Mr. Mason and is Jason Momoa. 
The twins will be Melanie Fields and Brendan... Scannell. Scannell, thank you. And that the cool guy who's going to train Michael about how to be cool and able to ride a Razor scooter is going to be Danny Trejo. All of this will be written by Pamela Adlon and then co-directed by Beth McCarthy Miller and Thomas Kale. And that is Grease to Grease, an AIM story. Ding! Would you see this movie? Hell would, yeah. Would you watch this live television event? Yes, I would, and I would also live tweet it, which means nothing to my 200 followers. <laughs> so, Sam, first of all, I didn't do this at the beginning, I apologize. Oh. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a development executive in scripted television. I like to play in make-believe for a living. I find it quite fun hanging out and catching imaginary monsters with my friends like Sam. I like watching bad movies that you can turn into guilty pleasures because sometimes you just got to turn your brain off and enjoy it. Yeah. Do you have any social media that you'd be interested in having people following? Anything you'd like to promote? Any shows that are on now that you helped get on the air that you want people to watch so that they can keep going? Uh, at the moment, I will say I don't work on it, but uh, I highly suggest people watch Alternatino with Arturo Castro, because he's <laughs> awesome, as well as uh, the last season of Silicon Valley, which I'm very excited for. I'm super pumped for, for Russ Hanneman's storyline. That's what I will say. Uh, yes, you can find me both on Twitter and Instagram at S-A-M-S-C-H-I-F-527. Sam shit 527. Sounds so badass when you say it like that, Sam Gash. And if you like pictures of clouds and animals and some interesting retweets about stuff my friends work on, check me out. If you are interested in following me, I am on Twitter at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. If you're interested in following the show, it is on Twitter and Instagram at Ideal Remake. And you can also join us on uh, Facebook at Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. Last time I promised I would read some five-star reviews from Apple Podcasts, and here they are. <laughs> Mr. Five Stacks said, sweet boys, sweet podcast. And Jeff Harden said, rapid fire repartee mixed with thoughtful reflections makes us a provocative and highly entertaining pod. <laughs> everything else is kind of somewhat a little bit more old but i am always encouraging more people to leave five star reviews because they help us it's how people find the podcast so if you'd like to write us a five star review honestly that would be wonderful and i would very much appreciate it so please by all means do that or if you don't have time you don't know how to write reviews hey tell a friend about the podcast that's also an excellent way to help us out. So with that, I will end with this. Sam, what's your favorite quote from Grease 2? I would say my favorite quote from Grease 2, or definitely one of my favorites, is in one of Michael and Stephanie's early exchanges, which he asks her if she's free after school. And her response is, yeah, I'm free every day. It's in the Constitution. <laughs>